When President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, it didn't reach Texas until 1865. So, for two and a half years, though free, black Texans still lived as slaves. What does this have to do with Jesus? We'll discuss. I'm Michael Rett, and this is Authentic Christianity. Thank you all for joining me on this episode of Authentic Christianity, Juneteenth and Jesus. So if you're unaware because you were living under a rock, something that was probably long overdue was made a national holiday um, on Thursday. And on Saturday, we celebrated Juneteenth. Bipartisan support, unanimous in the Senate, 415 to 14 in the House. So both Republicans and Democrats were in support of this and made Juneteenth, which is short for June 19th, a national holiday. Because it was done late, there were not necessarily, uh, banks were not closed, things like that. I imagine next year, if this holiday is honored during the week, banks will be closed, post office will be closed. Most schools are out at that point. Any schools that are still in will probably be closed. So, Juneteenth, it occurred in 1865. It was the day that federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, to take control of the state and ensure all enslaved people were free. Two and a half years earlier is when Abraham Lincoln signed and issued the Emancipation Proclamation. What Juneteenth does, and yes, the Emancipation Proclamation was only for slaves in the Confederate States. It wasn't for the full United States. It wasn't until the passage of the 13th Amendment that every one was considered free in the United States. It was a very political move by Lincoln. And I'm not going to get into the, the politics of it here. But it does honor it's the end of slavery in the United States. It's also considered the longest-running African-American holiday. So why am I talking about this other than, you know, as related to Christianity? Um, there are people in the Bible, uh, people that when they talk about the Bible, you know, it's a verse that says, slaves obey your earthly master, so it will go well with you. And some people will say the Bible is condoning slavery. So when people say that they ignore other verses, people like to do this with the Bible. They like to do it with religion. They like to do it with Jesus. Paul also said, if you can earn your freedom, do it. Jesus did not want people to be slaves. What he did say, what was meant by that contextually, is if you are a slave, you know, try to live a righteous life. So if you're trying to argue that, no, well, Jesus was not happy with the Emancipation Proclamation because he condoned slavery, give me a break. You know nothing about Jesus then. Because Jesus said he wanted you to help the least of these, the widows, the orphans, but any of the one, the least of these. And during this time, or during that time in American history, any time where there's slaves. And you know what? If you want to talk about slavery, there's modern day slavery that's real slavery. Human trafficking, sex trafficking. People that get paid a pittance in, in very, very poor countries working at sweatshops. That's slavery today. Um, there is no slavery in the United States anymore. I guess that's as political as I'm going to get today. 
I really want to focus on Jesus. Um, a little bit more background, though, on Juneteenth. So one of the reasons, I mean, Texas was far away. They didn't really have a lot of fighting. There was no presence of the Union. The Union, of course, being the North. The Union also is during, after the end of the Civil War, after Robert E. Lee surrendered. The Union went down. It was called Reconstruction. They occupied the South to ensure that freed slaves were treated properly. You know, many of them became congressmen um, and uh, owned businesses and other, other um, you know, political, local political offices. So there was about a quarter of a million enslaved people in Texas when General Granger came to Galveston. Furthermore, after the general came, there were some people that were still held as slaves even until after the harvest season. So not everyone was even free, but it's still honored as the day that celebrates freedom for slaves in the United States. Okay. So if you look in the book of John, chapter 8, it says, if you hold to my teaching, Jesus said this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. They answered him. Um, uh, talked about Abraham. And they say, we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we'll be free? And Jesus then said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever, meaning Jesus. So if the son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. So when you become a Christ follower, a true Christ follower, not like a, necessarily a Christian in name only, you're free. You're free from sin. You're free from being a slave to sin. Now, how am I connecting Juneteenth, slavery, and Jesus? So those slaves in Texas waited two and a half years to learn that they were free. They were free. They didn't know it. Jesus, when you become and you start to follow him, you are free. Do you know it? Do you live that way as if you are free from sin and free in Christ? I just read you John 8, verse 36. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the shedding of his blood, sets you, free, sets you free from the sin of death. You're no longer condemned to, to hell, to eternal damnation. So how many of us, and I ask myself this question as well, I am included in this. We don't live as free, as being free. Furthermore, in Romans 6, 
It's further, this is Paul speaking. Thanks be to God, you were slaves in sin. Sin resulting in death. Having been freed from sin, you become enslaved to righteousness. So we are righteous. We are sanctified. Now we're always trying to be sanctified. We're always trying to become, you know, more Christ-like. That that's a part of the the Christian journey, the faith journey. We're always seeking to become um, more whole and freer. And many of us live with anxiety, depression, addictions. And I'm going to read. Speaking of addictions, this is an article by Luke Gilkerson. Uh, this was written in 2009. Now, Gilkerson is a part of Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is a group that helps people overcome pornography. Pornography, obviously, is, is an addiction, an addiction for many people, more so men. But there is a, a growth in, in women becoming addicted to pornography. And addiction follows the same patterns no matter what it is, whether it's alcohol, drugs. You can be addicted to anything, really. You can be addicted to your job, to exercise, to food. Now, some addictions, you can argue, definitely are, are worse than others. Things like alcohol, drugs, food, and pornography, I would think, are, are some of the, of the worst, the most debilitating, I guess you could say. Um, they may look differently the way they're acted out, but they, they follow a similar pattern. And Gilkerson, he presents a very interesting argument. I'm not going to read the entire article, but he discusses how it's it's a fear of death, not overcoming our what we're bonded to, not overcoming what we're slaves to. He says when we subconsciously anticipate the loss of our own life. Now he's saying people were almost like thinking we're afraid to die, and he's saying it might be subconsciously that we're afraid to die. So he says when we subconsciously anticipate the loss of our own life, we seek to find real life in the world around us, no matter how temporary. So we're seeking life in the temporary world, and that would be through an addiction. This is where slavery to sin comes in. We wish we could stop going back to the same sins again and again. And, and Paul brings it up. He's, you know, what I want to do in my spirit, I do not do. You know, I want in, in, my, in my mind, I want to do it, but I don't do it. The things I don't want to do, I do. So he says, we keep going back to the same sins again and again, but we can't imagine or we wish we could stop going back to those same sins but we can't imagine what our lives will look like without that sin that sin somehow still makes us feel alive if even for only a moment and we believe that buzz is worth the pain the sin causes us and others and even god the pleasure of sin helps us to numb our hearts from the fear that one day this life will be over. It, it's, it's sort of a lot to wrap your head around. And it was for me. And I'm like, really? Like afraid of death? Am I afraid of dying? Like I've never really kind of thought of it. And I guess I have, but when I was younger, like you think about it, like who wants to die? Because we don't know what's coming. You know, heaven, hell, judgment, reward. Is there nothing at all? Am I good enough? Of course, you know, in Jesus, it's not being good enough. You're just saved by grace. Can we think beyond, like, yeah, there's going to be these eternal rewards in heaven and we're going to have peace in heaven and there's going to be like Eden. You know, I remember one time talking to my counselor. He's like, Michael, it sounds like you're longing for Eden. I was like, wow, yeah, because there is so much pain in this life. And those of us that deal with anxiety and depression, we understand that. Now, 
Anxiety and depression are not addictions. I was talking about addictions, going back to the same sins again and again. But we, in terms of the pornography, the, the alcoholism, drug addictions, food addictions, there's probably some others you can throw in there that I know you can throw in there as well. I can wrap my I can wrap my head around while I could see how I want to live in that that little buzz that moment to to experience life because I can't experience or I'm not willing to or I don't understand fullness of, of of this life in Christ because we're not full until we until we die the fullness of Christ where our sanctification the work of Christ in us is totally complete but I know we can have some of that now. I've had moments of that in my own life too, where I've been felt fully, fully free and joyous and satisfied in Christ. So I can understand going to an addiction when we don't feel that way. What's a little bit more difficult is like the anxiety and the depression. Because there's chemicals involved, but I know there can be freedom in that too. And I'm not diminishing anxiety and depression at all. Because I understand it. I, I do know that um, if you read in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, do not be worried about your life, what you will eat or drink or your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds. They don't sow nor reap or gather crops, but your father, heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more important than the birds? And who of you by worrying can add a single day to your life? So why are you worried about clothing? Why are you about, look at the lilies in the field. Look, they don't labor, they don't work, but, but they're beautiful. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not clothe you? So do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? Seek first God and his kingdom and his righteousness, and God will provide these things for you. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of itself. Now, does this solve the problem? I, I still worry. I still have anxiety and depression. <laughs> because again, some of it's chemical. We're in a fallen world. And I wish I had an easy answer for this, but I don't. I know it's there. And I know, and this is the best answer I can give you. Be willing. Be willing to say to God, free me. Because again, we're still being sanctified. Don't live as slaves to sin or slaves to, free, to, to fear, slaves to anxiety, slaves to addiction, slaves to depression. We don't have to live that way. Now, it may seem normal, if we've lived that way our whole life, living in dysfunction, that seems normal, you know, like a battered wife syndrome kind of thing. But we, we don't have to, and we're not even called to. Um, we are sons of the, and daughters of the Most High God. We are, we are co-heirs with Christ. We're loved by him. You know, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. So be willing to go after that freedom. God, I'm willing. Put the right people in my life. 
to, to go, you know, after you have surgery and you have scar tissue and sometimes they have to go back in and get out that scar tissue and it hurts again because you have to go back into the wound. But that's because our wounds, you know, scars, they're designed to heal or, or protect us is a better word. That's why we try, you know, when we grow up in fear and anxiety and dysfunction and chaos and we find these things to act as protections but they're they're like false protections but i understand it you know that's why we find these addictions that's why we have fear that's why we become depressed it's our way of coping sometimes but if you say god heal me send the right people in my life help me find the right articles you know you go in and you start digging at this scar tissue, these wounds, so this wound can be fully healed or more fully healed. You know, I started seeking counseling back in my early, uh, my mid-20s, I think. And, you know, the first session, he was like, Michael, I, I hear a lot of like, you're shooting yourself. Like you, you should, you be doing all those things. And because you're not, you just feel so much shame and shame is basically, you just feel like you're a piece of piece of garbage. I want to watch my words because I don't want anyone to get offended by one word I use, but I started seeing him. And then other stuff started happening and I went through some brokenness. That's what God had. Because I was willing. I wanted to be better. I did not want to live as a slave anymore. As a slave to my shame, my anxiety, my depression, my addictions. I just didn't want to do it. I got fed up. And there's different points in your life too where you, you, know, you find healing and you live that way and then something else may come up. It's not, I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, but would you rather go through something really difficult? And come out of it better at the end? Or would you rather live as a shell? Like live your life as a shell. Live a life of regret. Live a life of reservation. I mean, to me, the choice is relatively easy. Because for a short-term suffering, to become free, it's worth it. And that's my encouragement to you. That's how you're going to overcome being a slave to sin. And when I say slave to sin, it doesn't mean you're not going to not ever sin again, but being owned by something. Being owned by this like slave mentality that I can't overcome. And it's obviously harder for some than others. But God's there with you. The sun has set you free. You are free indeed. Own it. Claim it. It is finished. You no longer have to live as a slave to sin. You are free. Be free. Thanks for listening. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Authentic Christianity. I'm only about 27 listens away from 1,000 listens on the Anchor app. So please share this with your friends and help me reach that next goal. I'll see you guys next time.